The best part of your day. At the heart of your community. All the talk. All the music. All the news. Hi FM. You're listening to 101.9 Hi FM. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the new Blue Review. And if you were wondering why we're playing that BCCSA thing, it wasn't because in the previous segment I was potentially saying something which was sexist. Uh, it is, in fact, because we have the person who made that advert. It's probably one of the longest playing adverts on the station. And uh, we're going to talk to him not about the advert at all. Richard Wolf. Uh, how was that, listening to that uh, advert again? It's uh, delightful to hear, but it's uh, probably the... Uh, um, least exciting ad in the whole the whole radio station. Um, people get tired of hearing it, I'm sure. Well, you know, I, we haven't had that many uh, complaints against the station and the BCSA in a while, so it clearly Thanks is doing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, definitely uh, going on. Yeah, yeah. so we're not, we're not talking about the BCSA advert. You'll be happy to know. Um, although, you know, if you want, if you want to ask about it, as as usual, you can SMS us at three four five one nine. Email us on archivefm.com. Tweet us at archivefm. And uh, you can ask. Now we we brought Richard Wolf in because you know occasionally on this program, uh, on the new Blue Review, we we bring in South Africans who've gone overseas, who've gone to different places, and are doing well. And Richard is one of those, um, and he is a bulltongue maker, uh, which That's is right. I think a great, uh, awesome profession. Um, certainly very tasty. How do you not eat your stock? That's really the biggest problem, I think, as a bulldog maker. The thing is, I eat too much of it. I get to eat it every day, and yes. uh, eventually, I get a little bit uh, tired of it. Uh, bulldog is relatively high in sodium, in salt, so you know everything in moderation. So if you're having a lot of salt every single day, your blood pressure can rise. So I try now and avoid the product, <laughs> and it's, that's very typical of manufacturing. A lot of manufacturers don't eat their own products. Don't get high on your own supply. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So talk Indeed. to us a little bit about how you ended up uh, creating a, 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 bultong, a bultong shop? It's a great question. Um, my father uh, had a traditional family recipe, his mother's recipe, and she was a Boer. She was an Afrikaner. Um, so she had her traditional family recipe, and he used to make it as a hobby in South Africa. And then, of course, we moved to Australia, and he started making it as a hobby there. And, of course, it just caught on like wildfire. Everybody was asking for it, so we decided to set up a little website. And we thought, you know, if we sell one a month, one, one kilo a month, um, there would be some nice extra money. But we were getting at least an order every single day with doing very little little marketing. And it just took off from there. It's uh, super interesting. Uh, of course, the, I mean, I guess Bultong uh, tends to follow expat communities, particularly South Africans, wherever they go. But Australia must be a particularly big demand, particularly in Sydney. Uh, there's lots and lots and lots of South Africans. That's quite right. And, and there's a few manufacturers there as well. Um, so you'll find that uh, you're quite right. Everywhere you go, even in Israel, the USA, the UK, there's there's a whole bunch of bultong manufacturers. That's quite right. And so, is that your main group that that really gets into, uh, you know, knows about the bultong and wants to come and buy it? Uh, they they used to be our target market. They they were predominantly our customer base. But we've started to evangelize biltong. We trade at uh, ten farmers markets in Sydney. Uh, between 10 and 12 farmers markets every week and at, at each market there'd be say 500 or 1000 uh, Australians and they will all come and have samples and uh, so now we're finding that Biltong is taking off in the general population um, not just South Africans so now we try and target the broader demographic not just South Africans the South Africans are a captive the captive market, market. Exactly. They, they, they can't get Beef jerky, so they'll they'll go to the bulls on. I mean, it's an interesting question. I was talking to you earlier, and you said that actually, 
in many cultures in the world, there is actually a tradition of some kind of of cooked meat or curated meat, um, meat. That, that, that is like bultong but has variations across cultures. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Uh, the Italians have uh, brassiola, if I pronounce that right. Uh, the Turkish, um, the Baltic countries have uh, bastirma. Um, the American Indians did jerky. Uh, there's, a, there's a few others out there. The Chinese have their own version. The Tibetans used to uh, hang their meat in the mountains and, and have it dry in the mountain air with, with salt. Tibetan mountain meat. Uh, exactly. Yeah, that's quite, quite a vibe, yeah. So there's, there's, there's a, it's an interesting discussion. There's, there's a few – every culture seems to have its own version of biltong, and uh, they're, they're very similar. Air-dried uh, salted meat, for those, for, for those that don't know what biltong is, it's air-dried cured meat. But it must make marketing a little bit difficult because uh, South Africans know what bultong is, right? But right, right. if you if you say that to uh, some sort of foreigners and they're like, it's the tongue of a bull or whatever, right. it's like not like really – that it doesn't sound good to, to, to foreigners even if they're not foreigners in that country. So how do you go about marketing this then to the broader public besides these farmer markets? Yeah, it's a great question because uh, most people don't pronounce the word biltong rights when, they, when they're overseas, uh, non-South Africans. Um, the, most people have heard of jerky uh, from, I guess, American TV, American culture, pop culture. Um, and then there's a – but that's only a, a small segment of the population that have heard of that. And then a, a smaller subset of that have, have heard of biltong. So you have to – uh, it was a marketing challenge from the get-go. We didn't know whether we should frame it as jerky or whether we should frame it as something else. So these days we, we just call it air-dried beef jerky. It kind of explains what it is. And, uh, uh, yeah, with a picture of, of, of the product. Of a cow. Yeah. Yeah, something uh, like that. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's absolutely actually a fascinating project. You said to me that the with the tradition of, of Tibetan mountain meat, uh, there's actually a – a uh, a bit of an Asian market in Australia as well, which is coming to to the fore. Yeah, so not many people know that there's a significant Asian demographic in Australia, and we were quite surprised surprised to find that there are some of our biggest customers, our, our most ardent customers. Um, I think it's because they have a similar product in China or throughout Asia, I guess, um, and and the product reminds them of that. It's it's somewhat similar. I would say it's somewhat different. But it's, uh, obviously they get their fix from that. So yeah. Talk to us a little bit about the process, right? Because you can't bring in Bultong from uh, from South Africa. Anyone who's watched uh, – what's it? Border Patrol <laughs> in Australia uh, will know that uh, they don't let any – like they'll confiscate your boots uh, in, in Australia. <laughs> if you bring, yeah, exactly, right? Uh, sorry, mate. You cannot bring that in here. Uh, so, so you can't bring the, the meat in. Uh, so how how do you go about transferring the recipe that you're talking about with your dad to creating the product there in Australia? Yeah, the, uh, uh, South African meats, uh, I, I guess there's very few uh, beef around the world that is uh, guaranteed to be free from foot and mouth disease and mad cow disease. So, for example, the European Union are very strict with uh, beef products entering the EU. Um, so that's the starting point. Uh uh, the only, the best, be, um, arguably the the most uh, free of disease meat is Australia. So Australia is not going to want other people bringing in um, uh, certain certain meat products. Uh, but certainly, w- when it comes to the manufacturing side, th- they were per- perplexed about that as well. Um, everyone who's ever gone overseas to try and make biltong uh, originally 
encountered huge problems uh, with the local health authorities because they had never heard of it before. They didn't know what it was. They didn't know uh, the science behind it uh, because it, it, it appears to be a raw product. It's raw meat, raw beef. You can use any animal, but mo- mostly beef. And you uh, apply salt and vinegar and spices and you dehydrate it. Um, and to them, uh, according to the regulations, that's not a cooked product. That's a raw product. So there's, there's been a lot of... Uh, trouble surrounding that but in australia that the legislation and the regulations have changed and, and they recognize what biltong is now um it is still a very complicated product to make because of all the hurdles for the bacteria that you have to to go through yeah i suppose the, the biltong lobby has had to uh, <laughs> intervene in order to, to change things and and Australia does have a bit of a, a nanny state kind of uh, perception about it. Quite so, right. I mean, do you have to like sign tr- forms and triplicates and like <laughs> every month make sure that you send a strongly worded email to a health official in order to keep things going? Yeah, it, it's, it is called the nanny state. It's one of the most uh, bureaucratic and regulated states in, in the world. And uh, I guess after a while, that becomes a positive. When you first get there, you're quite horrified about how many rules there are um, and how strict it is. But, yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, work that one has to do on, a, on an ongoing basis just to keep your license. So you've got to do lab tests. You've got to do swabbing. Um, you're supposed to have checklists of what gets cleaned when in what order. They they analyze when they come and do the inspection. They analyze your, your whole program. You have to have, a, I guess, a 100-page uh, program that I had to compile. And it has to be all scientific. Um, I had to read through probably 2,000 pages of uh, the, uh, the acts and then the regulations and then uh, some of the standards just to comply with – make sure I've complied with everything. Oh, it's well, a they, lot of work. There you go. It's not just about uh, – Not easy. Not just <laughs> hanging in a bit of a stake. So talk, us to, talk to us about the actual process right. itself. right? Like, okay, so you have a bit of dead cow. It's lying around. It's been appropriately, bureaucratically analyzed. What next? Well, first of all, you can't just take any cow. It's got to be killed uh, by, I guess, uh, you know, in compliance with the regulations. You can't just take roadkill because so, you don't know what's in it. So it has to be killed, and then um, they, they run tests and whatever. So they certify the beef, and then you eventually get certified beef. Um, so... The, the science behind Biltong is the water activity, You're lowering the water activity. And not many people are familiar with what that is. It's the available moisture within the product that bacteria can feed on. So the lower the water activity, the less the bacteria is able to thrive. So with Biltong, we, we're lowering or dehydrating the water activity. And you start by, you know, rinsing the meat, add salt, vinegar, spices, um, and then you hang it up and dehydrate it for... Uh, we do it slowly. We, we dehydrate it over a few days. Whereas jerky, which is the most familiar product, is actually cooked. It's a cooked product. So they put it in an oven. Two hours later, you've got your jerky. Biltong, you dry it slowly. It can take anywhere between two to seven days or possibly longer. Um, yeah, it's quite quite a complicated process. So uh, how long does the, the product take to, to produce in, in total? So if it's a thin product, it dries out quicker that can be ready in say two days if we the traditional style is a little bit thicker and that can take four or five days yeah sure okay four or five days for a good piece of biltong that's right uh, you're listening to 101.9 high fm i'm benji shulman this is the new blue review we're speaking to richard wolf who is a biltong maker uh, originally from johannesburg and now in australia we'll be back after the break <laughs> Stay relevant and up to date. Keep informed. This is 101.9 High FM.
101.9 Chai FM. I'm Beji Shulman, and this is the new Blue Review. And we are talking Biltong with Richard Wolf, a South African moved to Australia and is exporting the culture so that the Australians can become more civilized. Uh, Richard, you've never made kangaroo Biltong, just out of interest. We did try it. It wasn't as good. Um, there's a technical reason. It's the, the intramuscular fat uh, in, in kangaroo is not very high, whereas with beef it is. And so certain animals are better to make biltong from, and kangaroo is not the best meat to use. I almost wish I hadn't asked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, okay, so while we're on the question, I mean, okay, you make beef. Is there anything else that you, you make the biltong out of? You can you, In theory, you can use any animal, and if you go around South Africa, you'll find ostrich, you'll find kudu, hemsbok. Um, there's even bacon biltong. Uh, in Cape Town, there was salmon biltong, which is a, an even harder process. You have to use ultraviolet light to kill any possible parasites. Bochums, they call it. Uh, yeah. It's salted fish. It's the most disgusting. Oh, that's something else, I'm sure. Oh, is it? Oh, no, this was biltong, salmon biltong. biltong. Oh. Or you can do, do tuna as well. Um, we In Australia, we've also done uh, wagyu beef. Now, for those that aren't familiar, it's, it's, a, it's originally from Japan, that, that, that cow. And uh, it's a it's a delicacy. It's one of the best meats in the world. It's got very high marbling, very high uh, intramuscular fat, and they even massage the cows. Um, and so that and it's a very gamey type of taste. And that's really, really something special, something you can't really even get in South Africa. Well, okay, that's very interesting. I mean, you kind of you didn't have a business background before you started uh, the Bolton shop. What are the kind of things that you've run into as an entrepreneur? Yeah, uh, uh, running running a business is, is difficult uh, anywhere in the world, and uh, our biggest challenge was being undercapitalized. And you know, when you when you're starting out, we technically started out in the garage, and then moved to a premises, and then expanded and expanded, and, and throughout the whole way, we were bootstrapping the whole way. Mm-hmm. Um, some finance would have or capital would have would have really been very helpful and, and made that process a lot look quicker so we've been going for 10 years we could have been where we are within say three years if we were fully funded so that's been our biggest challenge yeah absolutely i think it's something that a lot of entrepreneurs uh, really really struggle with uh what is what is actually the the biltong place called what can people so we're called biltong.com.au um we're also known as biltong to go so we're probably the biggest online retailer of Biltong in Australia. But like I say, we also exhibit at 10 or 12 farmers markets as well. And is it mainly Sydney focused or is it uh, – do you, do you get out to Melbourne and Perth? Yeah, we, we do some trade shows uh, interstate, but we, we market online to those states. We, we find that our biggest uh, customer, consumer group, uh, customer base is within Sydney. Absolutely. I think that's where all the money is. Yeah, and all the South Africans. Uh, Richard Wolf, thank you so much for being on the show. Very, very interesting. Um, Good to know that uh, Kangaroo Bultong is not going to make a strong comeback anytime (laughs) soon. And if you want to get some Wagadugu beef. uh, Wagyu. Wagyu. Wagyu beef. What is a Wagadugu? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Mispronouncing Australian words. Did you read beef? Didgeridoo Biltong. That would be an amazing, uh, an amazing, <laughs> just amazing product, just in general. Uh, brings us to the end of the show for today. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope you go out and get some Biltong after this because uh, I think I might. And uh, thanks to Craig for pushing all the big red buttons and Mavuthi uh, who does some of the producing and Mandy who does some of the producing and uh, Yaffa Frederick who came in a bit earlier. And we will see you next week on the new Blue Review. <laughs>